Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on planettower.com. We're definitely closing in on the gap. We're nearly finished, guys. I am back with my buddy, the master of chaos, destruction, and Instagram snooping, Simon Red. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm not snooping. I'm creeping a bit. That's all. In fact, screw that. I appreciate Brazilian culture and Brazilian chocolate cakes in every sense of the word. Brazilian cuisine, the finest chocolate Brazil has to offer. That's what I like on Instagram. Speaking of Brazilian, and this was a terrible segue, last time we actually spoke about that movie, 2013's Fading Gigolo, where Woody Allen did a little sidestep movie with John Totoro, and I think he was dealing with a Brazilian woman with Sherman Stone. What's her name again? Sofia Vergara? What's her name? That chick? Sofia Vergara, and yeah. she's Mexican. The Mexican. Mexican. She's a Latina. Not exactly the same thing, but we can talk about Latin American, I guess, Latin on Latin racism, but isn't it more racist to qualify everybody as Latin who's from South America or south of the border? Fuck because it. Because Mexico is Middle America. Yeah, like, what, what, what the hell are you talking about? What, 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 I thought you meant Brazilian as in they're waxed because he's a gigolo and you talk about waxing somehow. I already said it was a terrible segue. You know what? Just fold them behind the wall. Let your president deal with that. Anyway, guys, this whole discussion that we're having here is part of the Woody Allen retrospective. If you don't know what that is, we've covered every single Woody Allen movie prior to this discussion. Guys, over 50 videos, over 50 movies. A lot of you guys have enjoyed our discourse, especially in this very hot climate where people are wondering, will Amazon keep Woody Allen on in the time of Time's Up and Me Too? Woody Allen is a monster. We already had that discussion. Guys, I'm fucking around. You know, you yo, know. Yo, 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 yo. I had a personal experience the other week about that. I got fucking blasted for doing this fucking shit. You know what? I... I'm, I'm, let's just move on because I was going to say something but I don't, I don't want to sidetrack let's get on with the movie guys all of these discussions are spoiler discussions when we, spoiler discussions when we speak about these movies we prefer you check them out before you listen but you guys have been listening for long enough you know what we're going to do you know what this is about guys thanks for listening thanks for listening on the podcast so last time we spoke about Fane and Gigolo we're moving on to 2014 this time so Simon can you please usher in this movie and let's just get right into it yes indeed the year is 2014, and I'm glad to say we're back in a Woody Allen written and directed movie because I don't like these segues, man. Maybe it's just the retrospective itself, watching so many movies back to back. You got to kind of get used to Woody's style. Yeah. And it, it's like a warm welcome and a fresh return because, as we discussed previously, when he has a critically acclaimed you know, masterpiece of a film, at least a critical masterpiece, like 2013's Blue Jasmine, usually the follow-up year is a filler movie, is an experimental idea or a script that's mostly on the down low and deals with typical Woody Allen subjects. Basically, those are his typical movies that general audiences over the years have grown cold to and are always kind of surprised how the quality dips a little bit. While 
season with the Allen fans, they kind of like, okay, they're all right. They're all right. They're watchable. But this one with the title Magic in the Moonlight, I'm happy to say a little bit different. It's a bit special, at least in my opinion. Hmm. The familiar trappings and subject matters are there, but somehow the movie seems to be a, a bit more inspired. It's like maybe the studio was pushing it more because they saw the opportunity to recreate a, a film that is similar to previous box office hits from Woody Allen. Or maybe Woody himself was really inspired to make this film a very particular way. I'm not sure. But you're in for a, more of a unique treat. And you're asking yourself, so what is the movie about? What's, uh, what are these familiar trappings? And what are the unique aspects? Well, we're back to a magician's story. Uh, Woody kind of loves his magicians. He did a, a number of projects relating to magicians again. And sometimes he sees himself as a metaphor for magicians. If you remember the documentary we watched not yeah. too long ago, The American Masters, mm -hmm. when they discussed... What was the movie? Stardust Memories. Yeah. Everybody's favorite Woody Allen movie, at least definitely our favorite. With the magic rabbit that we never got to understand. <laughs> yeah. They referred to him that that was his magician movie where he showed off all the stuff he kind of acquired as a filmmaker and he got to flex his filmmaking muscles a bit with that film. I'm not too surprised that once again we have a magician main character, this time played by. Colin Firth, of course, who's at this point already an Academy Award-winning actor. He definitely paid his dues. And he's also renounced Woody Allen more recently, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, perfect timing. Thank you, Colin. Uh, is, yeah, uh, we can talk more about that. But we will. For we now, will. Let's, just, let's just keep it focused. I want to get through this long-ass intro, basically, because the movie itself is pretty straightforward. So I'd like to kind of set the tone, just like Woody does. But effectively, he's our main magician playing a guy who oh important to mention that this film also takes place in the early of 20th century yes another period piece another period piece which already makes it very interesting by itself it opens up in 1928 berlin and colin first character is actually referred to as the illusionist wailing sue because his whole gimmick is that he disguises himself as an oriental person, which not only is the description considered racist nowadays, but also the idea of going in Asian face is a, is a bit out there. But, but it was the true to the time. Exactly. Yeah. That's what he was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. For the times, it's absolutely on point. And it's a nice reveal and a nice introduction to his character showing off some magic tricks. And basically, I couldn't recognize this person. Uh, maybe you will, Don. Uh, He's an atheist, a dedicated artist who works every single year, a skeptic pessimist who feels uncomfortable amongst people who are gullible and superstitious and believe in religious thinking and magical thinking and don't see the world in a rational light. He's a loner in troubled relationships. Sounds like Diane Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't figure out where Woody came up with this character, especially since it's so far from himself, you know? I mean, we all know he never injects himself into his own movies, but this time I felt like he just really showed amazing range, you know? <laughs> it's somebody so diverse and different. <laughs> but anyway, the plot kicks in when his old friend comes in, played by Simon McBurney, who's a, a British actor, very memorable voice. Uh, again, Woody just has a sense for great dialogue and how actors can deliver great dialogue because he just has the accent. 
that RP accent that you just it goes into your right away and somebody instantly becomes annoying, you know, <laughs> like yeah. the typical English accent. But basically, we learned that Colin Firth's character has been in the business of debunking phonies, debunking con artists who scam people by posing as fortune tellers and mediums and people who can see ghosts and such things. In the 1920s, it was quite common. It's still quite common nowadays, but back in the day, it went as far as people leaving their entire inheritance over to these uh, these charlatans, basically, these con artists. And Colin Firth, who's a skeptic himself, and like I mentioned, a man of science and an atheist, he, he enjoys unmasking and figuring out how these guys commit these cons and what tricks they use. And his friend, played by Simon McBurney, offers him up a new challenge. Basically, a con artist, he himself was hired to debunk, but has failed and now he's asking Colin Firth to give it a go. Needless to say, the con artist or potential con artist is played by Emma Stone, who is a lovely young female from America, already being extremely successful as a fortune teller, as a medium who connects rich people, mostly rich Americans buying property in the south of France by connecting them with their loved ones, giving financial advice on what to invest in. We have a hilarious side character played by, uh, what's the guy's name? Hamish Linklater, which, uh, I mean, dude, you could have really changed that. I mean, oh, if Michael I hope, Keaton... I hope he's not related to Richard Linklater, one of my favorite American directors. But uh, Simon, let me stop you there because you've made this intro way too long and you've already gone through the summary. And on top of that, I actually don't want you to spoil this movie because it's mostly about Colin Firth and Emma Stone and their relationship. So let Holy me... shit. You, you don't want to spoil the movie. I was about to reveal the ending. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear your opinion. No, sure. I just wanted to cut it short because I let you... I love to hear you waffle and I know that people love to hear your voice more than mine. But again, this is a movie that... The main reason I enjoy this movie because this is another movie with a very curmudgeon, skeptic main character just like Larry, <laughs> Larry David in whatever works where his dialogue everything he's spewing every time he talks is hilarious because he's so negative and he's so logical and he's so skeptic and he meets this woman who seems to be the real deal who can perform all these miracles all these mind reading things who's a medium whatever and he just can't understand it there's something wrong she's a shot I'm gonna solve it and man that's what makes this movie very enjoyable. It's very light. It's just a light rom-com about magic. And I think, although we tease Woody Allen about, oh, it's not me and all that, the main theme of this movie, and even it's even said in a couple of lines in the movie, is that sometimes living through logic all the time and things making sense isn't what life is about. Life can be very boring and dull if you just live through logic and if everything has to make sense. And sometimes people need magic or lies or mystery or whatever to like make life more interesting and that's the kind of theme that the movie goes down and i think it's very interesting that woody allen being such a skeptic kind of goes for that full force but my only criticism to the movie is that it's kind of predictable it's kind of predictable you kind of know where it's going again we're not going to spoil anything but by the end near the end near the third act where there is a reveal the thing i really like about the movie is when that reveal comes, everybody starts talking straight. Everyone talks straight about how they really think, how they really feel, and their perspective on life and magic and all this other stuff. And to me, that elevated the movie. The last 15 minutes of this movie made it a lot more enjoyable. Oh, really? 
really. The last 15. It was just decent. It was kind of like, eh, this is a mediocre movie. But by the end, by that third end reveal, and all the characters just started talking straight. And this has one of the most hilarious proposals, marriage proposals ever. That I, There's a marriage proposal scene at the end of the movie where the dialogue that's being spelled is so fucking hilarious because the character is so reluctant <laughs> that it's so funny. I was like, this is probably the funniest proposal scene I've seen in the in a comedy in a long time. And that made the movie memorable for me. So I came away feeling this is a very, very light, fun rom-com. You know, and I don't. Wow. Yeah, it's one of the better ones for me. I I thought it was light and fluffy. It's actually surprising to me how different our opinions are on this movie. Well, I agree with you that all the characters started talking straight, except for maybe Hamish Linklater, who was I know him from the newsroom, basically season two of the newsroom. But right. he plays the Mark. The uh, rich American who is completely falling in love with Emma Stone's oh, character. Oh, that banjo fool. <laughs> Not bad. It's a ukulele. Oh, sorry. Ukule- oh, 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 banjo and, ukulele. I'm so sorry, Simon. How could I mix up these two yeah. instruments? Well, because a banjo is at least a decent size. But Fuck ukulele you. Is <laughs> you're right. You're right. Calling me out. Hey. That's, that's why I'm on planet Tyro, guys. That's what Tyro means. Idiot. But go on, Simon. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> yeah. How dare you talk about my banjo? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with you, boy? You should be on the field, boy. Fuck you. I don't like <laughs> your kind. <laughs> don't dig yourself in the grave, Simon. Don't dig yourself. In... I right, continue. Well, let me hear your perspective. So we feel differently. How so? How this so? is this is why I voted for Trump. Y'all don't even know what good music is. Playing that oopa loopa shit. Die, cracker. Keep talking. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that motherfucker just spends the whole movie on his mini guitar on his ukulele singing sonnets to uh emma stone which is the the widest thing you can do because a you don't need musical talent you don't need to know how to sing and it's not even a song because you don't have things like a verse a chorus, or a melody yeah. you just Use the same chord over and over again and just say random shit. The joke like, runs thin. I'll give it that much. I know what he was trying to do, but yeah. that's all he does through 90% of the movie. And it is a joke that runs thin. Yeah. And they play it straight, which is always good for comedy. But yeah, it runs a bit thin. And this is where I differ from you. Okay. I enjoyed the movie in the beginning a lot. I like the suspense of is it real? Is it not real? Because Woody did movies before where the supernatural became reality. Yeah, yeah. His previous magician movie, uh, uh, Scoop, where he himself played the magician. Oh, yeah. With, uh, yeah. Alongside with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. That had a major supernatural element kickstarting the entire plot. Sure. Midsummer Night sex comedy that mm-hmm. he did in 82. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his uh, return to comedy for a time. And it's a similar setting where it's a weekend getaway in the mid- middle of summer, as the title says. That had kind of a supernatural mystery side plot that at the end of the film became, you know, real. Don't forget about uh, picking up the pieces. Woody Allen was a fake magician that killed his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That, uh, that too. That also had a supernatural element. It so did. It did. The suspense is there, even though... I figured it out. I figured it out. I, I, my sure. girlfriend can tell you. I, I, I paused the movie around three minutes and I don't know how many seconds in and said, 
this is how it is. Yeah. And sure enough, that, that was exactly what happened. And that disappointed you, didn't it? That it went down the predictable route. And I agree with you. If you think that yeah, it yeah, could have yeah. brought convention by doing something different, I agree with you that it could have. But the only reason I'm, I'm jumping I'm, in... I'm not, even, I'm, not, I'm not even saying bring okay. convention. I'm just saying the reveal is very good. Like, uh, again, no spoilers, but when it, when it turns out what's going on, if it's real or not, and what everybody's true intentions are... The way that's done, Colin Firth has a little moment where his character kind of finds himself again and he reveals something in the form of a trick. Brilliant. I thought that was really well done, well acted, well directed. Mm -hmm. But the movie goes on. And I was surprised to hear how much you enjoyed that part, like the proposal, the romantic angle, all that stuff. To me, if the movie would have just ended at the reveal and Colin Firth's character is like, okay, now I know how things are actually happening and this is how it defines my perspective on life and then he walks away and that's the end of the film dude dude that, that is a that, that is a very cynical dark ending and don't get me wrong Woody Allen can do that he's done it before I'm not saying it's not past him but to me he would have no growth at all then see even me saying that's a spoiler but I'm just saying that it made sense that he it went past that but don't get me wrong would it have been a better movie for anywhere possibly it would have been a very, it would have been a stronger ending. I will agree with you there, but I enjoyed the humor of how it went because I found it, I didn't find it romantic between these two because their chemistry was okay. It wasn't great. Yeah, it was okay, but the humor between them, like there's a whole scene where um, Emma Stone's like, you know, do you like me? You fall in love with me, and he's like, you look good, but. They're kind of ugly. He's he's giving us so many backhanded compliments. And just the way Woody Allen wrote that dialogue that Colin Firth has dissected through the whole movie was so fucking hilarious. And that the that proposal scene I mentioned, the dialogue of that proposal is what makes it funny. The role, I don't really give a shit if they got together or not, because it could have went either way. But the dialogue of the it, it wasn't conventional. If it was just a normal scene, I was just like, ah, oh, who gives a shit? It seems before. But the way they executed that scene was so funny and ridiculous that it made it like, oh, that was kind of quirky. That that made me smile. But uh, I but I don't I don't really debate you or even I'm not even against you for what you're criticizing the movie for at all because I can see where you're coming from. It could have made the movie better, but to me, the comedic element made it better for me. But does it elevate the movie 100%? No. But, you know, I just, I preferred it that way. If it ended the way you said it ended, it would have been very bitter. Well, th that depends because I enjoyed the magic and the mystery elements of the film the most. Like, I like when Woody Allen goes into the crime genre, even if he just dips his toes into it a little bit. And once again, we, we mentioned La La Land with that movie, Everybody Says I Love You, yeah. that Woody Allen did. And there's a scene in uh, uh, an observatory that Alan Firth and Emma Stone visit in the film. That's yeah. a romantic moment. Uh, yeah. Again, that just reminded me of La La Land. I'm like, True. that director just ripped off Woody Allen in so many little that's bits and fair. pieces. That that's moment. not fair. No, no, that's, nothing's that's new the under truth. The sun. Nothing's new under the sun, Simon. That's the truth. You just can't handle the truth. That's <laughs> it. It's, a, it's as simple as that. Woody Allen got ripped off. Now I'm sure of it. And... I understand what you're saying that the movie kind of went on and it became more of a character piece, but previously it was basically testing Colin Firth's character yeah. on his beliefs and where his character is ultimately going to land. Yeah. And 
the setting of the film, the magical elements, the tricks, the suspense, the mystery of looking for clues, trying to piece together the mystery, what's going on, the cars, the locations, the beautiful scenery, the terrific cinematography. This is one of Woody Allen's best-looking films, cool and that's saying film. something. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm very happy that he abandoned like his usual. Let's go back to another throwaway script and go ultra realistic kind of you know pale and boring everyday life cinematography that he did for many many films including what was that you will meet a tall dark stranger yeah yeah so which is just dull i'm glad he actually went exciting again and followed his you know his calling to be a very captivating storyteller and i think that's why the studio was behind this film because they were like oh it's another vacation movie the south of france we have americans and british people going away and people uh, you know they, they thought it basically it was another midnight in paris because in a, an executive's brain this translates to midnight in paris yeah. there's magic there's mystery there's europe done green light but to go, be honest with you, after he... after to run with love where a lot of people thought this is definitely gonna be even better than midnight in paris and it wasn't it was kind of like a sketch movie that, huh? I don't think they were. They I were, know. They, I didn't, know. they don't judge the movie by its title anymore or where its location. They're like, Woody, he can force a curveball. So let's just see what he does. And this movie, let me talk about the actors. Now, Colin Firth, I know he's kind of typecast for being the curmudgeon to be that stuffy British man who's always toffy nose and always upset. But it works so perfectly for him in this role. Now, jump into, let's just get real for a moment. Jump into him now saying that he'll never work with Woody Allen again. Colin, don't flatter yourself because number one, you're kind of typecast for this kind of role. You've done it. I wouldn't see Woody hiring you again anyway. And number two, again, everyone that's saying this shit now, I think you're just trying to save your career or just trying to put yourself in a good light. But Colin, I don't think Woody was going to use it again at all because you're not super diverse. You do one type of character. This was it. Perfect for this role. And yes, you definitely hold the movie. But in that regard, when he said he's coming out to dinner with the island, I was like, really, Colin? You? Really? If it was Justin Timberlake or Rise Evans or Scarlett Johansson, it would hurt. But you? Sorry, Colin. Nobody cares. And also, those people you mentioned, Justin Timberlake, Scarlett Johansson, and Alec Baldwin, all came out and defended him. Yep. And coincidentally destroyed James Franco's career, which is just funny. <laughs> You won't see him in the Woody Allen movie, hopefully. <laughs> that would that would be hilarious. As for Emma Stone, she's good. And let me tell you something. I think it was a better decision to have a younger actress in the role. Because I know a lot of people, I read the reviews, people were like, oh, she's so young. He's 48 and she's 24 or whatever. There's a 20 plus year t- uh, age difference. Let me tell you something, man. I like the fact Woody getting a bit of a younger crowd in. I know Woody always casts younger girls as a pervert. Whatever. That's your opinion. I think it works. She was an up-and-coming actress. She still is. She's really done well for herself. She brings energy to the movie. You know, she has some good scenes, especially near the end as well. I thought she was a really good pick. And their chemistry was, uh, it was good enough. It wasn't perfect. But to be honest with you, Woody Allen, in his movies, where he hasn't cast himself, (laughs) the chemistry is never that spot on, (laughs) except for, obviously, Matchpoint, which is phenomenal. So I thought this was good enough. So overall... This is a passable movie in Woody's, I don't know what you want to call this, as you said, Simon, is off-peak movies or is on edge. He's not, he's not at his full power. He hasn't reached his full potential, whatever. This is fine. This is a fine just... Yeah, he's, he's still recovering from the previous one, yeah. Yeah, this is a fine rent it, watch it our whole movie, you know, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, 
people are like people are kind of harsh in the movie like it's okay but it's kind of forgettable i understand if you think this movie's forgettable i understand against woody allen's other movies as a movie on its own it's it's a nice period piece rom-com that poses a good question should life be dictated just by logic should you just be a logic curmudgeon and what's wrong with believing in something else woody allen's touched on that a few times before but this time it's the focus of the movie and it's done in a romantic comedy that's that's fun so i think it's a very it was it's a nice break and to be honest with you after blue jasmine i was expecting some down in the dump shit and this is the first time i'm seeing this movie and i have to say i'm pleasantly surprised but if i wanted to be an arsehole i would say that yeah it's not one of his best movies it's not super memorable but it's just a very enjoyable light movie you gotta have one of these sometimes you can't be fucking hitting it out of the park every goddamn day yeah and uh like i said what was the last movie i think we were also surprised by to roam with love that that was better than we expected it yeah. to be you know that was another filler movie that people were harsh on and i think you know woody allen at this point in his career is such a master at what he does and i i emphasize what he does the subject matters he tackles the type of dialogue he writes the the way he shoots films his uh, style even though behind the scenes he says, oh, you know, you don't direct actors much. You kind of just go with your instincts and you shoot whatever you can on the day. And then you go into the editing room and you realize it's a mess and you try to stitch it together and you add a narrator and all that stuff. I think he, he really learned to get around those problems and he just does good stuff. I don't think this movie falls into the same trappings as his weaker films. I think it's more entertaining and more unique and special in a way that it's worth checking out i just think because he's so inspired with the individual elements it leaves you longing for more so when it's set up to be a story about like a duel of magicians you know a duel of of one fake magician who lives on stage and likes to debunk others and one real who could possibly have all the supernatural power and ability to read minds and all this stuff you expect a little bit more and then it goes into and defaults into a romantic comedy. That part didn't really work for me. And mm. and uh, I appreciate Colin for his acting. I liked Emma Stone. I, I don't know if anybody else could have added more to the film because I felt like, like you said, the chemistry was lacking a bit. The way it stands, you say you like the last 15 minutes a lot because it continues beyond the initial setup. I don't like it as much. To me, the movie started dragging because... Well, I like the, the, the dialogue specifically. Ended. The dialogue after 15 minutes. Okay. They, they just started talking very straight and he Woody cut to the point in the dialogue where they started to debate the actual point of the movie. Why do you believe this? Why would you believe that? Why is life better with this? That I love that conversation and it kind of ran to the end. So that's what I liked the most. Before that, everything was just, like you said, I knew where it was going up to that point. And even after that point, I knew where it was going. But that reveal, that point, it was good. So, yeah. But again, I don't want to make it sound like this is an amazing movie. It's amazing. I know it's mediocre against Woody Allen's stronger films, but it's one of the better mediocre Woody Allen offerings. So, but yeah, sorry to cut you there. Nah, I finished my piece because... I enjoyed a lot about the film, the scenery, the fact that it's a period piece, the cars, the clothes, all that stuff. If you're if you're into kind of movies that go the extra length to really paint a picture and kind of transport you into a different point in time, all that stuff is very successfully done here. I just think 
for me, the romantic angle wasn't interesting enough to warrant the film being extended beyond the mystery. I would have just liked the mystery to be more fun, maybe incorporate more magic tricks, more hmm. kind of uh, double crosses or hidden reveals or things like that. Sure. Because after it's uh, the cat's out of the bag, it all seems inconsequential. And that's not a spoiler because sure. even the supernatural element is treated so every day yeah. that um, you know, you're know you not you're not, not left in suspense that, okay, if it's revealed that it's true, the world will change immediately. If we'll... If it's more character focused than that, it's yeah. really about Colin Firth and his worldview and his beliefs, yeah. which I appreciate for a movie. But at the end, it makes it just quite limited in scope, and I didn't really feel that much suspense after the mystery was lifted. I don't disagree with anything I'm saying. Yeah, I think we're on point there. So let's not waste any more time on this one, guys. We've had our thoughts again on tomorrow's IDB score. Everyone thinks it's a, a very mediocre movie, but they know there's worse out there. Like, you know, there was a tall, dark stranger. But uh, let me tell you something, man. The curmudgeon character, Yo, when Woody animates curmudgeon characters, that, that's him, always funny, man. Yeah. That, I laughed so hard at his one-liners, just criticizing everybody. That was really funny. Exactly, exactly. So guys, let us know what you think of this movie down in the description below. As you can see, we are so close to catching up to recent times. You know, we've only got three or four films left. Simon, I want to thank you for joining me in this one as always. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun. It thank was. You. And uh, Saga continues on the next movie. So guys, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Do not forget we're doing this whole retrospective of Woody Allen we've got the website up Woody Allen Retro and I almost forgot actually at the time of this movie was made Woody Allen did his first ever podcast and I know the Woody Allen pages guy put it on his website I listened to it it was pretty fun even though Woody Allen seemed a little bit uh let's just say Woody Allen <laughs> he's never <laughs> he's never as enthusiastic as you think he should be so I'll put a link to that podcast uh, in the description but You've seen Woody Allen Facebook interview. If you're keeping up Woody Allen, then this isn't really anything new. But it was worthwhile. It was done at the time of this movie, which is why I'm bringing it up. So check that out, guys. Subscribe to the channel. Give us a like on the discussion. Thanks for listening on the podcast. And guys, we'll see you on the next recording. <laughs>